Well, hello all, Mike Falkenstein here with 1A Catalyst. Together with my friend Steve Shermer of Silk Road Catalyst, I'm one of the co-hosts of Missions Talk. Missions Talk is a show where we have regular media content on best practices and inside looks into what God is doing around the world in missions, featuring guests that are involved in global missions from parachurch organizations, churches, and other missions networks around the world. We have a deep heart to help you find ways to reach your world for Christ. And in today's episode, Steve and I talk with our good friend, Joanne Pittman with China Source about changes in the COVID policy in China, the current spiritual environment there, and the situation of the expat community in China. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the latest episode of Missions Talk. My name is Mike Falkenstein, and I'm here again with my co-host Steve Shermer. And Steve, we've got a fantastic topic, one that's very close to both of our hearts, that of course being China. And uh, yeah, it seems like things are, are, are changing rapidly there, aren't they? Yes, they are. I mean, uh, the opening, uh, the basically the eradication of uh, zero COVID. Uh, what I love about this conversation, as we were talking about before we even started recording, was we had recorded this conversation two months ago, or a similar <laughs> one, right. and the sound did not come through the recording very well. But, you know, God knew that what was just around the corner, that our conversation today would be so much better uh, than it was a few months ago. So, and and as yeah. Joanne, who is our guest, pointed out, it would have been outdated already after two months. So, here we are again. That's right. Yeah, and it was is really true because just before we recorded this last time, uh, China was still in the middle of their zero COVID policy, and you know uh, we recorded it, and then literally everything changed, and so. Steve, as you mentioned, we do have our um, good friend, uh, Joanne Pittman, with us. And uh, Joanne, thanks so much for being here. Uh, just quickly, I know you serve with um, China Source, one of our uh, favorite organizations. Uh, give folks a little introduction again about uh, just who you are and what you do with China Source. Okay, thank you, Mike and Steve, for inviting me back. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, very quickly. Um, regarding the changes in China, we say their plans can't keep up with changes, and I think this was a good example of that. <laughs> yeah, um, my name's Joanne, and I serve with China Source. We're a, a resource ministry. We're trying to educate the global church about what God is doing in China and what the critical issues are for Christians in China, and also trying to connect uh, global Christians with the church in China and help bring them into the conversation and to, to see what we can be learning from them. Um, we are a virtual team spread out uh, between Asia and uh, various points in the United States. Uh, most of our public work is done on our website, chinasource.org. And for those of you who are not familiar with it, I invite you to visit our website. We publish new articles and um, blog posts and different resources um, every, every day, Monday through Friday. And so I'd like to have you come and join us and subscribe and... Um, expand your understanding of what God is doing in China and uh, appreciate the multi-dimensional nature of Christianity in China. That's right. It really is. And Joan, I'll just follow up what you said by giving my own personal recommendation. Uh, yeah, just visit chinasource.org uh, for, uh, for information about China. They always do such a great job. Uh, Joanne, some of the you know newsletter and email 
content you guys do is um, just really good and fair and uh, just appreciate what you guys do. So, Steve, why don't you start us off? I know we wanted to begin just kind of talking about kind of the these changes in the COVID policy in China. So uh, what do you have uh, for Jan- uh, Joanne in that area? Yeah. So as we were as we were talking about earlier, zero COVID, uh, that was their policy for many months. And then there was a sudden about face uh, not too long ago. They opened up. Uh, Joanne, you had mentioned earlier, as I know, I have the same experience. Everybody I knew uh, in China uh, came down with COVID uh, really quick, too. I mean, it was just it was it was like a tsunami uh, of COVID infections. So I know we know that you have followed this very closely. You've been monitoring the embassy website in Washington and just things online. So tell us your perspective on that. What do you think is going on? Um, You know, what you're hearing from the ground. Well, as you mentioned, it was it was quite an about face after really almost three years of zero COVID policy where the government, the, the party had was really staked, had staked its legitimacy because they were able to say, look what we've done. We haven't, we haven't, we've only had, you know, 5,000 deaths in three years and very little COVID. And um, so the way we've handled COVID is superior. Um, after three years of that, literally overnight, it changed. And, and this happened the first week of December um, there were uh, there were some protests um, beginning um, on university campuses, and I think the weekend, our Thanksgiving weekend, people going out into the streets just protesting. They had to Chinese people at that point were having to test every day if, to go get on a bus if they mm-hmm. wanted to go into public, and and people were getting frustrated and, and tired of it, and people never knew if they if they were going to be locked in their apartments for seven days. And and, um, and so there were some protests that, that started to take place. And at the same time, um, COVID seemed to be spiking, particularly in Beijing. There was It was just on the rise. And so it was clear that, that COVID, despite what they were doing, um, it was spreading. And so um, in, in late November, they said, okay, we're going to make some modifications to COVID zero, zero COVID. But it wasn't really clear and they weren't really like, okay, now we're going to change. But on December 8th, it just completely turned and the, and the messaging from the government was suddenly, we can't do this any longer. You take responsibility for your own health. Um, we're dropping all restrictions. We're getting rid of the daily testing, the health code that you had to have on your phone that allowed you to go into public. They said, we're scrapping that, we're, we're, we're disabling that. And basically, people were suddenly free. And then the week later, they said, and we're going to reopen the borders and we're going to start, you know, no quarantine and all of it just overnight. And people were, you know, what happened? And then, of course, as Steve mentioned, COVID COVID just just took off. And and unfortunately, they um, the, the, the some of the reasoning why China had had zero COVID, which was they don't have enough ICU beds. They have a, um, a a low vaccination uptake, um, so they were said, well, if we do if if we do let go, then it's there's going to be this horrible outcome. Well, that horrible outcome is happening, um, but I think it just seems like they they realize that 
we can't keep going. I saw somebody wrote um, online somewhere that, that China had three objectives, zero COVID, economic growth, and social stability. And they said, you have to pick two because you can't mm. have all of those. And, and it, it does seem like at, at some point that I think they realized the economic costs were getting too much to bear. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, in fact, I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking of some friends of mine in Shanghai who the, the moment zero COVID dropped, the whole family got sick. But the moment they healed up, they jetted off to Macau because now they they didn't worry that they were going to get stuck in Macau or that they were going to get stuck in another city. Because I remember them taking trips over the past three years in country. These are Americans that they cut several of those trips short because suddenly things were spiking and they knew they had to get out of there. Things were spiking back in Shanghai, so they have to get back to Shanghai because they didn't want to get stuck somewhere. And so now they felt free to actually cross, I guess in our minds, a little bit of a border mm -hmm. uh, into Macau. And uh, yeah, and of course, the, uh, but like you also said, the, um, the negative side of this uh, has also is a is also a reality that yeah. there is very low immunity, whether natural or vaccinated, very low immunity across the country. And so it was no wonder that it happened. You know, what's happening now is, is not really a surprise uh, right. for anyone. And I think one of the concerns has always been and is now is that the, the vaccination rate among the elderly remained very low. Partly because the older people just like, well, we don't trust it. And also China's been for two years. The messaging has been, hey, look, we've conquered COVID. We don't need it. And so people are like, well, then why would I need a vaccination? Right. And so so the, the elderly are, are very, very vulnerable um, right now. And I think I've heard some expressions um, from China frustration. It's like, well, you know, what? What were we doing the last two years? Why, you know, why didn't you know, we kind of wasted wasted time not getting people vaccinated or getting ICU wards built. And um, and um, so there's just this this kind of combination of, yay, we're, we're kind of free and maybe life can get back to normal. And also kind of fear of getting COVID, particularly if you're elderly. And then this, well, what, what was those last year? You know, was that just wasted three years? So now that the, the borders are open, we know the Chinese are crossing. Uh, we know that expats that are still there are traveling. Uh, so what about outsiders coming into China? Um, what do you think this next year is going to bring in terms of foreign travel into China? Well, um, when the uh, when the, they announced that the borders were going to be open, I remember talking to a friend and I said, for the first time in three years, I have a glimmer of hope, just a glimmer that maybe I can get to China in 2023. I don't know, but at least there's a glimmer of hope. Um, yeah, uh, if you go to the Chinese webs, uh, the Chinese embassy website, you know, in the U.S. or whatever country um, you happen to be in, they they do have a visa page where they kind of spell out what visas are being issued and how to apply. Um, by and large, um, they're for foreigners. They're issuing work visas. If you have a, a, a work unit or a company in China that needs you there and, you know, needs you need a visa, those you can those are um, being applied for um, people who are in country and who, you know, who work there and have left. 
um, now it's going to be easier for them to go back because they have the visa in hand, but now they don't have to go through quarantine. So I have I have quite a few friends in that category. They came out maybe three or four months ago, and they're getting ready to go back, and they're like, yay, we don't have to go through quarantine now, but they've already got their visas. Um, so business visas, work visas, if you have family members, so there's a lot of there's a lot of um, Chinese expats who are American citizens who haven't been able to go back. Now they, if you can apply to go back and visit relatives. So that there's a special visa for that. So I think those people are going to be able to get back. It's going to be a lot easier. You know, trade, business, you need to go and do a business trip. I think those are going to become possible. What I have not yet seen is the tourist visa. And I think, you know, for somebody like me, I've got this 10-year tourist visa in my passport. I think it expires in 2015. Um, those, those, all of the tourist visas were suspended. Um, China has not yet reopened. They're, they're not yet reopened for tourists in the sense that they're not yet issuing tourists. They're not taking applications for or issuing tourist visas. Um, and I, I just checked that on the website, on the Chinese website yesterday, and it was like we're not issuing tourist visas um, at this point. So, um, yeah, for those of us who go back and forth to China, you know, maybe once a year on those tourist visas, we're still waiting. But if you've <laughs> got a right. job in China, if you're working, they, I think they're, I think I heard they're going to start issuing student visas again. So if you want to go and study, that's going to be um, open again. But I think the tourists, we're going to be at the back of the line. All right. But you are right. Maybe, I mean, we're just in January, right, of 2023. Right. So maybe, who knows, by late summer or fall, uh, you know, things might have developed enough. But uh, Joanne, just hearing you talk about, you know, zero COVID and whatnot, um, and just seeing the reports over the last few years that have come out of China, certainly this zero COVID has taken a real toll on the Chinese people themselves, right? I mean, we saw what was that a year ago, people quarantined to their apartments and they're, you know, yelling out from their balconies and, you know, we just want to get, we want to be able to go places. And it certainly, it seems like it has taken an emotional toll. So it'll be interesting to see as we go back and study this, you know, what that, you know, how that actually played into the government's, um, you know, decision, if any. But uh, I'm interested in knowing, um, yeah, just, um, I don't know if this has changed since we've talked about this a couple months ago, but the, uh, I'm curious your thoughts about just kind of the spiritual environment right now in China, particularly for you know, these churches who are are there, you know, both registered and unregistered and kind of their condition and give us kind of an overview of kind of what what is happening. Because I imagine, I mean, it was kind of hard for us, right, in America to not go to church for a while. And But under zero COVID, I'm sure they were not able to meet in the same way for a long time. And so kind of just give us an idea of what you see in terms of kind of the spiritual condition there now. Okay, the uh, yeah, COVID had a huge impact on church life in China, both both in the registered and the unregistered churches. I think in the in the registered churches, um, most of them were closed through twenty in twenty twenty. A lot opened in twenty twenty one and and you know operated under um, you know registration, social distancing. 
pre-testing and all of that kind of stuff. So with numbers being down. Um, and then 2022 has been opening and closing, opening and closing. Throughout it, from what I understand, is a lot of the three self-churches went, uh, went online um, through WeChat. Pastors would record their sermons, would, you know, put up hymns and things. So, so they were kept connecting and staying, you know, shepherding their congregation um, online. Um, there's been there's been a lot more ideological pressure on registered church leaders to toe the party line to, you know, kind of you know, be under the supervision. Um, that that's been another pressure besides the COVID. Um, as far as the unregistered churches, uh, similar things happen. You know, the unregistered churches, another term would be the house churches is they went online as well. And from what I hear, it's been primarily on Zoom. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the, the Zoom seems to be one of the, the um, preferred platforms in China. Um, and so, you know, so they, they've struggled with a lot of the, the same things that we have struggled with in, in doing, trying to do things online. And, um, and so you have um, some churches are like, well, this is great because our reach has expanded because now, you know, we have 30,000 people um, right. <laughs> participating in our in our quote unquote church, and um, then others saying this is bad because we can't you know we can never meet face to face. I think it's going to be interesting now to to uh, to chart how how the churches adapt to the new new normal. <laughs> they just kind of figured one out. So I, I haven't really gotten a whole lot of information about how churches now are dealing with the new COVID. My guess is that there hasn't been a lot of change because there's been so much COVID. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Is before it's like, well, we can't open because of the policies. It's like, well, we can't have church because of there's so much COVID in my community. So, so let's not meet. Um, I think you mentioned some things too. Is that I think that um, th I think it's taken an emotional and mental toll on people in China to be to live with so much uncertainty. Um, you know, I, I talked to some. I talked to. Some, I was a, an American lady who, who was a mom. And her kids went to a, um, a local school, and her fear was she never knew she when she sent her kid to school in the morning if some kid had came from a home that had a relative who had a friend who tested positive, they might haul the kids off to a quarantine camp. Wow. So there's all of that kind. I mean, the, just the daily uncertainty is I don't know if it, by the end of this day I'm going to be locked up. And right. If you think about that. That's been going on for mm. three years. So I think there's a lot of um, emotional and, and uh, mental uh, struggles. Uh, we we had a post on our website a few weeks ago. I think it was right before Christmas uh, by a um, somebody who's in China who's teaching and just talking about. Yes, it's hard. It's hard to get here. Life here is really hard. But boy, are my students open. They are spiritual. Hmm. Hunger, hungry, and he—he's somebody who's been in the country for a long, long time. That's great. And he said he's never seen so much hunger for something deep, for for some, you know, really deep longing for spiritual things among his students, which I thought was really interesting. So, um, it's a difficult—it's a difficult environment. There's political pressure. There's the COVID stuff. Now they're going to figure out how figure out life without that, but. Um, I think that hunger is has not diminished. 
Wow. I can only imagine. And it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, as the country continues to reopen, right? That uh, it could just be a real harvest field. And uh, of course, that's, you know, what we'll be praying for. Mm -hmm. But I, because you would have to think that, again, as I mentioned uh, at the outset, I mean, I can't imagine living in a in a environment of zero COVID the way that they've been doing that. I mean, you know, these uh, videos we've seen of the government, you know, fencing off apartment complexes where you couldn't leave, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're caged, mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. And that has to just take a horrible toll on your, that's just not how humans were right. meant to live, right? And I think, you know, one of the things that triggered the protests back at the end of November was a, an apartment fire in Urumqi in Xinjiang province where 10 people died and and part of it was because the the firefighters couldn't get to the building because it was in a quarantine area mm. and so you know the fences the fences had been put up and the the doors had been locked and they and they couldn't get they couldn't go in and do their firefighting because of the, the zero covid and that hit social media and that that triggered some of the um some of the responses, you know, I think in terms of the the churches too, they've they've um, they've encountered a lot of the same struggles that our churches have. You know, keeping people together when you're just meeting online, um, just the weariness of how do you you know people how do you keep the faith if you if you can't actually go um, and fellowship with other people, um, things like that. Pastors burning out. Um, it's been a it's been a difficult it's been a difficult time. I bet it has. So I know in terms of the expat community in China, of which uh, the three of us at one time or another were all you know a part of. Um, yeah, uh, we're leading up to zero COVID. We were already hearing about uh, uh, many in the expat community leaving the country in one for one reason or another. Right. And uh, I'm trying to remember now it's whatever, 70, 80 percent of who, people who were there are no longer there. So the expat community, of course, is a lot smaller. But um, what is your sense? Maybe even it's changed in the last couple of months with the 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 lifting of zero covid and all of that. What's your sense of kind of how they're doing? What's going on amongst the expat community there? Uh, are they again, that would be a hard situation to live in wouldn't it it would and and i know uh, i have american friends who've been there the whole time who um who were there when the borders closed three years ago almost yeah three years ago and have not oh. left at all <laughs> i oh. have expat friends who've come and come get, gone back and forth several times um and boy that's those are stories as well um again it's just life is really hard and and but what they've been able what they've told me is that um, their presence has been, um, a, a lot of the ministry has been their presence because they've been able to experience and live life with their Chinese friends through these last three difficult years. Mm. They didn't, you know, just pick up and, you know, and run out. And they, they all could have. Um, and so they've gone through the ups and downs, the uncertainties, the fears of getting COVID or the fears of being quarantined. They've been able to to really um, many of them would say go deeper um, in their relationships with their Chinese um, colleagues or Chinese mm. friends because um, because they've stayed. Mm, that's great. 
yeah, so so there's a lot of people, you know, some people I know that, that have been there the whole time, whether they're teaching or whether they're working in a business or, um, you know, working in an international school. So, so you know, foreigners have stayed, um, have been there. Only the only, most of the ones who were there were the ones who were there when the border closed, because really for 2020 and 2021 it was almost impossible to get in. That started to change this year. I heard I've heard about more and more people getting in even before the the zero COVID um, um, cancellation. So I think you know being there has been um, a, a witness and a, a chance. Mm. They, they would all tell me a chance to go deeper in their relationships with their Chinese friends and colleagues, both Christian, um, both Christian and non-Christian. Um, as far as those of us who are outside, you know, just waiting to get in or, um, you know, again, if, if you have to have a legitimate work visa mm. and, you know, so it's I, I, the days of going in on a tourist visa and, you know, renting an apartment and just kind of doing what you want. I don't think those days are going to come back. Right. Which, by the way, I think Steve and I would both agree that may not necessarily be a bad thing. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, uh, it's the issue of legitimacy. Yeah, that's right. So, Steve, I think you've also heard some stories of some expat friends, haven't you? I mean, uh, they um, have you found that same thing? They're kind of hanging in there, aren't they? Hanging in. Some have left. You know, some obviously got burnt out in the last three years. I'm, I'm sure we've all uh, know some people that fall into that category. Uh, some have moved on to other countries. Um, I know I know at least one couple who's definitely remained the whole time. And um, it, it's been challenging. I'm, I, I'm hoping they'll stay. Uh, they were I think they were uh, praying about leaving. Uh, oh. But um, I think now that the everything's changed in the last really the last month or two months, uh, maybe they'll stay longer. But um I'm curious. Actually, every everything you say, it just makes me want to get on a plane and go right now. I mean, <laughs> I miss I miss seeing my friends over there. I miss you know having meals with them. And uh, I was actually thinking about this this Hui owned restaurant that I miss going to. Um, that all my friends and I would. That's where we'd meet. That that was like the one place I'd want to meet every single time. Anyways, so. <laughs> There's still a lot of people uh, like us who want to serve the church in China, who who still want to find ways to be involved. And yes, things have changed, like you were talking about with the tourist visas, the perpetual tourists of just living and doing whatever you want. Uh, I think I've, I've um, probably got a little book on that. That yes, uh, very good little book. Um, <laughs> that is an issue, not just in China, but in many places that um, it's like uh, Mike said, isn't necessarily a bad thing that that's coming to an end. But, you know, as far as those who are outside of China, who aren't seeking to go in there and live there, how, what are the best ways that we could serve the church in China moving forward? I think obviously we pray, you know, continue to pray that, that there may be a season where the um, the role of the Westerner is not to be in China, but to be outside of <coughs> outside of China praying. Um, I think that there are there still are ways to to go to China and to serve in China. Um, 
which means you're going to have to look for work. <laughs> you know, are, are there jobs um, there that that China still wants foreigners to do? And there are. So do some research. What does China want? And you know, what do they? What kind of what kind of foreigners do they want? What do they want foreigners doing? And what do they want foreigners not doing? And um, if you're young, if you're in college, research that and study that. You know, they, if they need engineers, go be, become an you know study engineering. Um, mm. And um, you know, so so you know, thinking thinking in in those um, categories. I still believe that China is going to want English teachers in their universities. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that is going to be that is going to continue. Um, so in some ways, it feels like it's a back to the future moment. Uh, for you know, I went to China in the '80s as an English teacher. That was the only thing you could do. Mm. That was the only option. And uh, you know, there may be a season where that is one of the main options again. I think that um, going to China as a student to study Chinese is going to uh, ramp up again. Um, so go to China and study Chinese. Enroll in a university and say, I'm going to study Chinese for a couple of years. It gets you, it gives you legitimacy. You're there. And then while you're there, you look around and you you meet people and you talk to people and you find out what's going on. You find out what the needs of the church are. The, the church is, and then you can begin to see where, where can I serve, but you're doing it on the ground. So um, I'd love to see a, I'd love to see a wave of, uh, of people going to China to study Chinese, to do mm. not study Chinese. Um, but for those who can't go, I think, um, you know, there are ways at personal level. I, a lot of people are still, you know, who used to be there and aren't there anymore. They're connected with their friends online via WeChat. Obviously, WeChat has its security and its limitations. Um um, a lot of organizations and people are involved in um, digital work. They're doing online, they're setting up online training courses. They're doing evangelistic meetings. They're doing um, uh, evangelism online through through different websites and stuff. And there's some, there's some crazy stuff going on. So it's, it's still cool. happening, and they're and they're serving in that way. Um, right now, there's a lot of people who are. Uh, no longer in China or, you know, who would like to be that are involved in training Chinese missionaries mm. to go overseas. That's a, that's a kind of a growing, um, growing opportunity. Um, and then I think uh, another way that we can serve our, our uh, serve the church in China is to listen to them. Mm. What are their needs? Um, what, what lessons are they learning that we could learn from them? I mean, that's one of the things we like to do at China Source. We try to have a, a growing number of our writers being Chinese Christians, so we can mm. hear hear from them directly. And there's there's some some new books out recently, and and um, on that uh, we're working on one uh, in partnership with another organization, a book of testimonies of Chinese Christians. So I think I think listening to them and inviting them into the global conversation. And um, and and I think a key lesson that we can be learning from them and, and kind of watching is um, uh, how do we live as a faithful minority in a hostile environment? I think they've got some things to teach us, mm. and I think listening to them is a way of serving. Oh, I I agree 100% with that. I was actually at the beginning of our conversation. I was thinking about uh, as you were talking about your website, ChinaSource.org. 
And, you know, as Mike was talking, my mind just kept going to all the things that are being published, even recently, uh, from Chinese believers that you guys are putting out there that we have so much to learn from them. You know, just everything they've gone through, every... Oftentimes, we all know this. We go there because we think they have something to learn from us. You know, we're going to we're going to help. And in reality, the church in China has grown to a point where we need That's to true. learn from them. We need to hear them. We need to listen to them. Um, they're not babies. It's pretty vast in terms of numbers. Um, yeah, it's. I'm glad you said that. I feel very strongly. Yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah, there is a lot that we can learn from them, including, you know, I remember my time out in uh, rural China when I was heavily involved there, even just, you know, loving and serving Jesus when you have nothing materially, you know, those kinds mm. of things. So um, that's great. Uh, so, Joanne... I'm wondering for those that are watching today and they want to know more about China Source and, you know, maybe sign up for ZG Briefs or the other good content that you guys are producing, what would be the best ways for them to kind of connect with you guys at China Source? Go to the website, chinasource.org, and we have a number of different what we call publications that you can subscribe to my recommendation would be to subscribe to something so that it'll just pop up in your inbox um, on certain unspecified mm -hmm. times the two the the two things that i would recommend would be number one zg briefs which is a, a newsletter that i produce every week and then we also post it to the site and what i do is i spend the week uh, scanning the internet so you don't have to <laughs> uh, looking for interesting news about China that you might have missed. And that uh, puts it in this little nice packaged email called ZG Brief. ZG stands for Zhongguo, which is China in Chinese. And uh, I look for articles about the you know, government and religion and society. It's it's just a really, I look for kind of a wide variety of things. Mm -hmm. But probably stuff that, and, and more, and a lot of analysis pe uh, pieces that go a bit deeper. So uh, subscribe to ZG Briefs. And then I would also recommend subscribing to our weekly digest, I think it's called. And it's published on Saturday. We, we, well, we send it out on Saturday. And it's an email that would come to you with, with the links of all of the, the posts that we put up during the week. We usually put, put up a post Monday through Friday, not always on Tuesdays. <laughs> but if you don't want an email every day, which I understand, you can just sign up for the weekly roundup and you'll get an email that says, hey, here's what you missed. And mm. then click on those links. Um, I would direct you to read our China Source quarterly. Our latest one is on um, Chinese Christians in the new normal, kind of look a really deep dive and analysis on the current situation uh, as it relates to Christians uh, with quite a few of the articles, again, written by mainland Chinese Christians. Okay, great. And I would, I think I... I subscribe to all of that personally, mm -hmm. <laughs> and as I think uh, Steve does. So it's all very well done. You guys Thank are you. doing a great job. I uh, just appreciate your work. Uh, Steve, before we go, so we end the episode, any final thoughts from you? Oh, my only final thoughts is that we could just keep going, but uh, I know this is <laughs> getting near the Maybe end of our time. Restaurant sometime. <laughs> oh, yes. I'd, I'd take everyone there. 
maybe we can all just meet up there next time. Let's but, do it. No, Joanne, I just appreciate, you know, I've said this before and I, I just mean it. I, I appreciate what you do, what Z, what's mm-hmm. ZT Brief, um, what China Source does, uh, because I, I do feel it's a very balanced uh, perspective on what's taking place in China. And mm-hmm. uh, I love the fact that you're, you're, you're showing what expatriates are doing and thinking. You're showing what the Chinese church is thinking. You're kind of showing how they marry together. And um, it's just great. And I know for anyone who's has a, a, even a, a little bit of a desire of China in their heart, uh, China Source is the place to start uh, to gain information. Thank that's you. right yeah I, yeah i would only i would concur and sure appreciate you know uh joanna steve was talking i was just thinking i think you and i met first in 2008 mm-hmm. and you know from that time until now you've just been a real consistent voice on kind of fairness uh which you know does not always happen when people re- are reporting on china mm-hmm. and so i just really appreciate that about you and uh yeah i'm glad that you've been with us and for those that have been watching, we appreciate um, your participation as well and sure um, are thankful for you. Again, I would just recommend you connect with um, Joanne and the people at China Source as uh, she has recommended. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk. To find out more about Missions Talk or to watch previous episodes, please go to facebook.com forward slash missions talk. It is on our Facebook page that we have the catalog of all of our episodes. To find out more about my organization, 18 Catalyst, please go to 18catalyst.org. And to find out about Steve's work with Silk Road Catalyst, please go to silkroadcatalyst.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk.